Hello, listeners. Before diving into today's episode, I wanted to share a few ways you can go deeper with the ideas I talk about in this podcast and support my work. The first is my book, The Pathless Path, which many of you have probably already heard about, but if you haven't purchased it already, I really think you'll love it. The second is The Pathless Path Community, which I just opened up as a one-time pay-what-feels-right access fee. And in that group, you can meet hundreds of other people from around the world on unconventional paths like me. Finally, I'm working on a second book tentatively called Good Work, which is going to explore my deeper relationship with work and how that led to a lot of the transformations in my life. You can follow along in my newsletter, Pathless, which you can also find a link to that in the show notes if you want to learn more about that. Without further ado, let's dive into the show. Welcome to the Boundless Podcast, exploring the human side of work. I'm your host, Paul Millard, and I'm fascinated with how we can imagine past the default path to do things that matter. I have conversations with entrepreneurs, freelancers, and thinkers who are questioning the role of work in our lives who are thinking about how we can unlock creative potential in ourselves and organizations and are carving new paths in the world to create a more human future of work. If you want to support the podcast, check out the Patreon link in the show notes. And for more information, go to BoundlessPod.com. Today, I'm speaking with Brian Victor, who I'm talking with from Singapore. I'm not sure I can adequately describe him by any labels, probably agrees with me, but I'd call him a self-taught learner who's always looking to experiment, grow, and evolve. I've been lucky to spend time with him, get to know him as a friend. He's been a beatboxer, wedding planner, and now runs a 2D animation video studio. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Well, thank you, Paul, for inviting me. So as people can probably tell from the intro, lots I'm curious to dive into, you have such a fascinating path. I'd first want to just backtrack and talk to you about learning. I, th- I think I see you as somebody that's very good at learning new things. But what's the first thing, if you think back to just growing up, like wh- what's something you taught yourself or you were drawn to? Right. Um, as we were speaking earlier, actually, the first thing I would say my, my curiosity really piqued uh, was, was magic, actually. Um, I remember being wow by you know the 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 cut tricks that everyone else is being wow by and and the avenue was there like you could pay a certain amount and then you, you can learn this cut trick there was no youtube back then so so that was that i think that was the first thing i got started on uh, was uh magic cut, cut tricks i think like everyone else i don't know um and then um I guess the story continues. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know specifically if there's one trick um, that I learned that I'm like really impressed the heck out of. Um, yeah, but I guess it was magic, if anything. Uh, How did growing up in Singapore shape kind of your perspective on the world and who, who you were becoming as an adult or even not shape your perspective? Um, I think... 
the question I only I I only have answers to when I started traveling, right? Because you kind of read the label from inside the jar. You, know, you don't know how is it like from other people. So when I embark on my uh, around the world trip uh, for a year, I think back in 2012, um, just you, I just gotta realize um, we live in Singapore is truly amazing. I mean, it's, it's, for those of you who haven't heard of uh, Singapore before, uh, when my first trip out to California, I was writing emails, I was sending it out to um, this wedding planners in. Um, California, because uh, I wanted to be a wedding planner. So I was like, wow, why don't I go to some of the most amazing wedding planners in the world, which are all sort of congregated in California. And, you know, when you wrote to them, you, you quickly realized that people love Singapore together with China. <laughs> yeah, but a good thing if that... If you've been to both, very different places. <laughs> very different places. Yeah. But a good thing that I have going for me is that I have a blog back then called Hella Good. Um, so... For those who actually bothered to click on the link to see what I'm up to, that yeah, why I do, um, they would know that like, hey, you know, uh, this guy is a bit different, right? So they might still think I'm part of China, but it's like maybe this guy is kind of creative, right? Um, and then after I went out to California, you, I mean, things such as you know being able to speak English um, badly or understanding it uh, really helps. Um, living in uh, an environment where things work, um, Singapore is one of among one of the four countries in the world where people actually don't complain about their government. Uh, <laughs> one of the four? Yeah, one of the four. According to my friend who runs a hostel, so I think there was Singapore. I think there was uh, Sweden, uh, Norway, and I don't know what's the last one. Maybe Bhutan, I guess. <laughs> wow, that's yeah, not true in America. <laughs> so 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 a combination and the reason why we don't complain is things truly do uh run well in singapore I mean, it's really hard to find things that they're bad i mean of course they are but then once you know why they make certain decisions you, you start realizing that hey you know that's probably the best thing they can do and sometimes there's no there's no perfect right you know we are all trying to figure out this first world problems. No one has found a perfect solution. But if anything, in Singapore, uh, we see that our government uh, is trying. And um, so far, it's like pretty good, like 80% there, you know? And uh, I, I can do the, the last 20%. And then the question that we always ask ourselves is that, do we want to be Malaysia? <laughs> and then we'll be that after. I guess it's a no-brainer answer. Um, so coming back to your question, I think... It's really a mixture of like, you know, growing up in a, in a system that, that works, um, uh, growing up in a place that speaks English, um, and, and both of that combining together. And for me, I never really got stuck into this whole follow the rule box because uh, things that I like to do doesn't follow the rule. Like, you just look at magic, right? It is how we bend the rules to, to trick people. So, I don't know, maybe that grounding helps in that sense. Growing up, like bending the rules or at least attracted to taking a different path. So I think most, all men have to serve in the military in Singapore. Is that right? Yeah, two years. And so you're serving in the military. You go into that at 18, I think. And yeah, 18, 19, yeah. You talk about you decided you couldn't leave the office or something like that. And you said you decided to moonlight and do projects on the side. Tell me about the thought process of thinking about that and like where you were at that time. 
Um, so then I was 18, 19, and, and I think the context needs to be given before, right? Because I was already a tour guide for Singapore Dark Tours. I was uh, <laughs> the one telling people what's there, what's on your left, and what's your right. And then also on top of that, I was working in a job where I was setting up sound systems uh, and then uh, being there and, you know, manning the, the, the microphone, the levels and playing some music for the events, right? So um, when you were in the army, I wasn't a high-ranking official or anything, and neither do I want to be. Uh, so I get uh, paid very minimal amount, and that would be about, I think the last I checked was 400 when I left <laughs> per, per month. So that would be equivalent to about, you know, 320 US dollars a month, right. um, which is nothing. Um, and, and, but the, 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 the reason why, the main reason why I moved, like, and in fact, there was already momentum there. So it was easy. The job right there, I was being asked for. Uh, it's also because I want to go on this one year road trip, you know, I want to like save up money. Um, yeah. Where did um, you get the idea for that? Oh man, where did I? So I really want to go to Mexico, <laughs> and I, I before that it wasn't a year. Right? I mean, uh, it was just like okay, I want to go to this place, and it was like all my. I have one friend. Uh, this uh, her name's Linda Soleil. Um, she's uh, really amazing, um, and and she uh, is quite the hippie. And she sort of like just gave me the idea that, hey, people who are traveling are kind of cool and no one ever regretted, yeah. <laughs> no one ever regretted, you know, taking a road trip ever, right? You know, uh, the, uh, traveling. And so, so, so it's a no brainer. It's no brainer. Um, but then the courage really comes from Linda, who, who made me like buy my one way ticket. And then once that is like bored and everything else, you know, like the big rock media rocks more analysis, you know, analogy, everything just falls into place. So you start moonlighting on the side to earn money to save for this trip. How were you thinking about things, at least compared to some of your peers? Very simply, I did. I want to put in the least amount of effort in military. <laughs> 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 so everyone, like you know, there's the people who want to, to be the officers. They go do that, and then uh, <laughs> I just want to do the least. But I was motivated by something else. How were you thinking about it? Were you just thinking, okay, one year and then like back to Singapore and figure it out? Or were you not mm. even thinking that far? Right. I, I think what the trip does beautifully for me was that before uh, uh, joining Army, I was in, in doing events, right? I was setting out sound system, you know, being in different areas of the events industry. And what I saw really quickly was that um, they kind of all follow a template, you know? You have this uh, annual uh, company, dinner and dance, they call it in Singapore. And... And it's really just one guy, you know, show and dance, and then a bunch of people, ha, 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 laughing. Uh, and it's a lot of, like, pointing, like, oh, you know, like, you go up on stage, you go out on stage. Uh, and then it's, like, that being repeated, like, you know, for however many times. I was like, yeah, I am good at this. I can do this. But I, I, I can't handle doing the same thing. It's just, like, I'm just absolutely bored out of my mind. And so now that I know I'm good at this, there's one down. So it's like, how can I, you know, figure out what I'm good at? And then adding creativity to this. And then wedding was the answer, actually. Um, so it was part of the career path to go to California. And somehow that sort of fit into the, the geographical location of like, yeah. I really want to go to Mexico. And then like California is just over there. And then I was just like, oh, great, fantastic. Um, and I could go internet California for, you know, some time. And then like go to Mexico and do the rest of South America. 
Um, so that was the thinking. You no, know? as much as it is like I like that was a school of life, I guess. You know, because like there isn't a wedding school. Uh, There's got to be more around the weddings. You don't just go from like hosting events and saying like I want to plan weddings. Planning weddings is not something I think most people are drawn to. <laughs> like, where does that come from? Oh man, uh, if anything, um, you need to help let show people this photographer, amazing photographer. His name is Jose Jose Villa. Jose uh, uh, Villa, yeah, yeah, Villa Villa. So put it down. Um, so he only shoots in film, uh, like film photos. And just have this like beautiful, dreamy feel. Like, but what you want to do is not to see his works now. So go to his blog, but like go see his work from like like maybe 2012. And those are the times where this lady called Joy Thickman uh, coined the word wedding styling. Right? So she like like revolutionized the entire industry of wedding. And I was just like dumbfounded when I saw his work. And it's, it's just really inspiring. And not, there's nothing like that in Singapore. Um, basically, a, com- a combination of like, well, who are, who are this couple? And how can I translate that into a wedding and personalizing it? And it's nothing flashy. And as you can see, it's no, no, there's no template for this. You know, it's all personalized. It's all creative. Um, so this guy, like looking at his photo, I was like inspired. And then the connection was there. It's like, oh, maybe a wedding could be a thing that I could explore. And then combining that with traveling. You have this pull towards wedding planning. Pretty amazing how you're drawn to it. I mean, just the, I mean, you were lighting up as you were describing that. It was pretty cool. Oh, it's amazing. It is. How do you actually go about this, right? Do you talk to me through like some of the practical, actual steps you took? Because you can't just show up to wedding planners in California and say, I'm here. I mean, there wasn't too much of a strategic thing that I do, but <laughs> guess what works, right? Um, so I just, I knew that, you know, like, I don't know where they are and I don't want to just go show up. It's pretty rude of me to do that. So it was just the, like email, you know, like you, you email these people. Um, and, and, and pretty much it was just cold email. And, and I think that it was like 50 that I cold email, right? And I, I didn't even like, you know, to some people think it's a lot. To, to me, it's just like, but you just set it all out, you know, like, yeah. you gotta, like, throw, like, and, and, and there's maybe like one or two that like, okay, great. Like you seem cool, you know, the opening like fits and, and it's really header from uh, emerology uh, that like gave me a chance and like met out with me. And then, you know, um, and then that solidified uh, my trip to visit her uh, in San Diego. Um, but it was just like co-email, like X yeah. times 50, like, you know, just go through the list and say why you like them and, and like you know what's this journey about and you know how you can help and and and, and hopefully they reply that's about it so you kind of created your own internship yeah unknowingly did well did the person that ended up taking you on did they ever tell you why they were attracted to bringing somebody on that's just emailing from singapore Oh, so what's cool about them is that so they are they are um, they are family, a little like boutique like run unit out of their house, right? So they actually have interns from um, Europe before, so they are open to to people um, writing to them, like you know. So they have taken on people before. Um, that said, I understand that it is uh, 
pretty abnormal thing <laughs> in in like in most of American society. But I think that what's really cool about it is that in the wedding industry, um, uh, it is like a bubble on its own. You know, people are really nice and. And you know, like it is also their passion to to do this thing, and and if it earns money, it's great. So I think just just a general, like you know, I'm not here to make a ton of money. I'm here to um, do the work that I love, and then money is just part of it. You know, that comes back to me because the, of the work I love. And hence, you are also attracted to people who come to you from like you know, to who enjoy this work. Not for the money. I, I I mean I'm 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 speculating, but talk to me about some of the other lessons or things you learned on this one year trip. And you were about twenty at the time, is that right? Yeah. Um wow. The trip itself, I mean I recommend anyone to do um solo backpacking like uh, as young as they can. Uh, and and preferably at a time where they have no money. <laughs> That's the best. Because well, the thing you, you of, did it for you did it for ten thousand dollars. Mm, yeah, that's correct. So that's I, I budget about like six hundred USD a month. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, for, on, on my trip, um, which sounds impossible, um, but well, I actually did it right. So and also, I think my friend Linda did help, and the introduction of couch surfing to me did help a lot too uh, on saving on accommodation. I think the biggest thing about uh, uh, this entire trip, looking back, is that it teaches me fundamentally that I only need 600 USD to be happy. <laughs> That's an incredible <laughs> lesson. Yeah, and it's not something that you plan for, right? Um, and it's really hard to tell people that. Like, it's really hard. Uh, which right. is why I tell people to go travel early. And it's not a lesson that I learn, you know, if I, I can learn if I'm... I'm, I'm I have money later because when you have money, you, 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 you naturally tend to go Airbnb. You look for things that are a bit comfortable, right? Um, but it actually requires a little hurdle to actually enjoy, you know, couch surfing, living in someone's house uh, and, you know, enjoying that. But once you're able to do that, once you're able to set your expectation on what you need to be that low, um, what you can do, uh, the possibilities it's actually way bigger because now you don't need like $2,000 to survive. You only need $600 to survive very happily. And that gives you unlimited opportunities to pursue anything that you're interested in. Yeah. And do you think that's a big reason why you've been able to make so many shifts? Um, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I think so. I mean, just, just looking back. I mean, there's nothing holding you back, right? No, the, I think the, like, a lot of excuses really comes down to, you know, when people want to try to do this big shit, um, it's really money. Yeah. Uh, and one, that's one of the biggest things. And if you, I think, because I can survive happily with very little, then I'm able to just, oh, if I don't like this, then I'll just move on to the next thing. It's fine. You know, that's like, life's good. Uh, but then there's a whole other kind of thing that we can go on further to that if you want to. So how does one go from traveling the world for a year on $10,000 to becoming a top 10 wedding planner in Singapore? I came back um, wanting to you know, start the studio of mine. So okay, I'm ready you know, to go start it. Um, went to several wedding planners in Singapore, tried to get internship uh, from them. Couldn't. So literally, I'm forced to just go start this thing. 
what I learned uh, was that uh, because I the story of, you know, I, I worked with some of the best in the U.S., I managed to be able to pull together a bunch of very talented individuals here in Singapore and create a concept and style shoot uh, that um, luckily enough end up in some of the top uh, magazines and online publications um, here in town. And once you have that credibility going, and, and actually my first clients comes from, you know, uh, the, the the editorial style shoot uh, for uh, the Wedding Scoop, which is the online publication that uh, featured me. Um, and then and then it just and then it just go it's on up and up. That's amazing. <laughs> and I think within like I think one or two years, uh, I became the top ten. And I, and I also jokingly tell people that that probably <laughs> is only ten that is here in Singapore. Yeah, it's a smaller place. Yeah. When and how did you decide to shut that down and pursue something else? Right. Um, so when when I became top ten, you know, um, and you know, wedding planning being able to allow me to survive, you know, earn enough to be comfortable, um, I just look around my friends who are also uh, some of the top ten wedding planners, and and it just you start asking yourself the question of like. Well, like, do you want to continue, like, to do this for the rest of your life? Which is fine, which is great. Or do you want to try something else? And, and, and I mean, it's a hard decision to make, right? But what, make, what made it easier was that, like, I didn't really close the business, like, right away after the decision. What I did was that I tried to find another source of income on top of wedding planning. So I, that, that was then when I built um, Misfits and when I built... Um, uh, Stage animation. Um, so when Stage animation took off, uh, the the financial part of the problem was solved. It became a lot easier to to shut down. And 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 the then the question becomes, how do I shut it down? And it's like, do you just like literally like you know pause the thing and just probably pull when the email in say, hey, I'm not doing it anymore. Um, thank you for the inquiry. Or do do I want to give it away, or you know, or sell it? Most people want to sell it, but to be honest, um, um, I didn't start the wedding planning business to make money. You know, I started because I enjoy doing it, and so I wanted I, I gave it away. Right? So I announced it on, on on Facebook that you know, if there's anybody who have a dream of becoming a wedding planner, they are able to inherit. Like all of my, um, you know, reputation and website and everything that I've done already, uh, and and yeah, and that's the story. So about forty people wrote in. You know, I um, looked through all the applications and I, I spoke to maybe ten of them, and I feel that this is one person that you know really might be able to succeed down the road. Uh, so I linked link her up with some of my friends who are the top ten wedding planners, and so she had mentors, um, you know, on 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 her side. And, and, and get the entire business away. That's amazing. What an incredible gift. Yeah, I mean, she's now she, she's going to be starting, I, I think like maybe this, right now, like next month, she's going to have a first actual client that uh, she, she's, she got. So I fingers crossed. <laughs> Notably missing in your story is a set of credentials from a university. Now, is this, and it, I don't think it seems abnormal to you, but to a lot of people who are wired to look for like experience on a resume, 
uh, credentials from universities, grad schools, things like that. Was that ever something you thought about or did you challenge yourself to kind of think mm. about learning in different ways? I think so. So it's, it's super normal, firstly, to, for people to want, like, you know, a university degree um, and, and, and all that. Thankfully, I'm in an industry, a wedding, where there's no university degree for it. Uh, but to be honest, there are courses out there that one can take. Um, but I only know them after I came back from my internship uh, in California. Um, so uh, I really inherently think that I could do it. Um, so the part now is how can I convince someone to pay me the money <laughs> to plan their wedding where I've not planned any wedding for myself before? You know, because most a lot of these wedding planners are actually uh, married, you know, and, and also most of them are female. Uh, thankfully, in the, in the U.S., some of the best wedding planners are gay. Uh, so I, I fall into that category, <laughs> but I'm not gay. Um, so it, it makes it a lot easier uh, in, in the wedding industry uh, to not have a degree. But that said, after being in the wedding industry, after witnessing all these wedding planners, uh, and being able to have the real-world references that people actually do pay me money, you actually don't need uh, a resume or a, um, or a degree. And, and I'll tell you the reason why. Um, um, the reason why anyone needs a degree is to tell the employer, is to signal to the employer you can do the work. And if you can't, even if you have the degree, you'll get fired down the road. So if you can prove to them you can do the work, then the degree doesn't matter anymore. So then the question is, if, if you are someone who wants to you know, uh, get work from this employer, how can you prove that you can do the work? And the answer is super simple. Do free work. Yeah, I think you frame it as either do full price work or free work. And I think free work is underrated. It's just a way if you position it as a learning opportunity and super humble and say, I'm trying to learn. Can I get feedback? But I'm going to kick ass on this. It can be super powerful. If you can't do the work, uh, then maybe you can't get the degree. Right. But all I'm saying is that degree is useless. If you, if you, if you, might, be, you might be able to get hired, but if you really can't do the work, they're going to fire you real quick, you know? <laughs> Or maybe not. Some people can hang around in organizations for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You must have some uh, super good soft skills then. <laughs> do you, so how do you think about learning now? Who, like, you're still a huge learner. You're almost a voracious reader and consumer of information. Like, who do you look to for, like, who are your modern professors that you follow? I, I mean, I don't think, think of it very intentionally to be a learner. I, I think yeah. of it just like, you know, like what am I curious about and, and, and go do that or like what do I want to achieve and what are the, what are the sort of things I need to, 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 be, to know to be able to, to do that, right? And so I don't, I, I don't learn to, uh, for learning's sake. I learn because it's fun, you know? Um, and I learn because he he's the objective that I want I want to get. Um, so who are some of the, the folks I, I look up to when it comes to um, t- telling me interesting and fun things to to learn? Um, currently, uh, there is like Seth Godin. I, we, I think we both like him a lot. Um, um, you know, Navarro Ravikant um, was just absolutely obnoxious. 
Tim Ferriss, of course. And some of the lesser known ones are actually very topic specific, right? Um, so right now, like I'm learning SEO, and and I really just go ahead and look for who is the best out there. And I don't I don't care about the rest because to be honest, you don't have that much time, right? You just want to learn from the best. Yeah. And now that I have the ability to afford it, I just like you know pay for someone's course. Most of the time, most of the course are actually all free material. But the, right. the thing about a course is that um, it's arranged in a way where it actually gives you progression to, to have the basic building blocks to understand how, how the topic works. So I'm learning SEO right now. Uh, I, I just uh, signed up for um, SEO that works under Brian Dean. Uh, and I just want to say that that course is phenomenal. Yeah, and, and before that, I'm like really bad at people. Like I'm so bad at people's skills. <laughs> so, so I got to like take a course on that, right? <laughs> So I uh, took up uh, Vanessa Van Edwards People School. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, she, she's great, you know. I mean, like, maybe not perfect, but uh, no one actually have made like a, a people uh, a soft skill course. I think she's the one that the, took the first step at that. There'll be more coming up, but you know, she's the best out there. So you know, I pay for it, and yeah, it's pretty good. I, I enjoy it for anyone who wants to be better at people skill. Talk to me about your most recent trip in the U.S. I think you took another extended trip in the U.S. last year, and there's a story about a van. So maybe you can uh, take us to the yeah. van. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was actually like the, the, the trip before, uh, so not the, not the most recent one. The most recent one was to Portland when, we went, when I went to the uh, World Domination Sunday. So yeah. the one before... Um, I, I, I went, I, I flew to Las Vegas. So my, my business is, is good, animation business. And it allows me to just work on a computer. Um, so I was like, I really want to do this van. It's on my, on my bucket list. Oh my God, so cool. You know, you look at all this video, van live, and you look at people like on the beach. And I was like, okay, great. I'm going to do this. So flew into Vegas. I meet, meet a friend, uh, Spencer, who so happened to be there on a conference. And so we met up uh, to catch up with him. And then subsequently, I went to like find a van on Craigslist, met a Mexican gangster. No shit, right? So it came out, you know, with singlets and all that. Uh, but the van was, was legit. It checked out. Uh, <laughs> it was very sketchy. <laughs> I got it for $1,500. Um, cash, I'm sure. Cash, yeah, cash. <laughs> and then, so I actually, like, we actually thought it was like stolen or some shit, right? So we were very like, you know, I was like, man, like really, you know, you sure this, this is cool? But I, you know, we got a mechanic in, they, we drove it around, okay, this is cool. And then the stolen part, we had to like, I had to go down to DMV just to make sure it checked out, right? And the yeah. guy, and we were like, hey, why don't we go to DMV together? And then she's like, no, I'm, I got stuff to do. I'm not gonna like go to DMV and queue up with you. I yeah. was like, whoa, then you know, like, that's not cool. You know, like, how do you know that, that this is not stolen and all that? Well, then, you didn't know as a Singaporean that our DMV doesn't work like probably Singapore's does. <laughs> I don't know. I just didn't know that I'm able to get the ownership, right? That's yeah, right. Like, correct. Uh, anyway, like went through the whole ordeal, bought the van, um, met out of a couch surfer, Randy, super cool, and brought me a lot of tools. So I bought, go to Home Depot and start decking up the van. And a month later, the van was built uh, into a camper van, and I drove out to California and the plan to go up to um, Vancouver. So uh, on my way out, uh, so the van's very ghetto. There's no toilets in them. So the only way to do toilet is 
to to buy a gym membership from uh, I think what's that Twenty Four Hours Fitness? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's very ghetto. Uh, so so I would then on my first night, very excited, you know, like drive out to California, go to the beach, camp out. It was the coolest thing ever. You open you open that, and it's like whoa, beach view, so good. And then the next morning, I'll go to the gym, hit it up, you know, and then work for half a day. And then like, let's go, you know, like, let's go back out. And the second day, I was just like, oh, maybe, you know, I'm just going to like forget. It's kind of like half an hour away, you know. Let me just, you know, stay here in the, in the gym. Like, like park in the, the car park. So it's tomorrow, like, you know, if I want to go to the toilet, I'm just going to do it like easily, you know, because the gym is here. And then, and then the third night, same thing happened. And I never, ever wanted to drive down the fucking beach. <laughs> anymore I was just, then I, I was just like man well like if I well the whole plan is to drive down to the beach right you know because that's the life yeah and that was also the point where I like checked off every single thing on my bucket list like everything yeah. like this is this is the last one there's nothing else that you know I really want to do and so and so it was just like, oh, what's next, you know? And and I mean, I, I mean, of course, there's like a ton of cool shit that, that that still could be done, right? But what's really hard for me was that I'm trying to figure out like, how do I sequence, you know, like what to do next, right? Um, and and I don't have a criteria that uh um that that I could plan other than okay, this yeah. is fun. But they're, they're all fun, right? So it's really hard, and I, I can afford all them. Talk to me a little bit about that moment. I think you've said you were pretty down in that moment. I, I don't know if it's like depression or, or, or whatnot, but it's just like, you know, you get this excitement when you want to do things, when, when you're aiming for things and when you, when you get there, you are really happy about it. And that's the next thing. Um, it, I was kind of like, whoa, what the fuck do I do next? This is, uh, I mean, when you say it's depression, I mean, I don't know. There's probably people who are more depressed than me. Um, but it, it, it was definitely a lack of excitement, um, right. for sure. Um, so uh, I'm also trying to find what's the attribution to it, right? Uh, and, and one of the costs might be because it's just lonely at the event. There's no one but me, you know. Right. After you watch, uh, finish all the <laughs> videos and the books, there's nothing else left. Right. <laughs> um, uh, so, so, so this dream that I had of uh, living the, the, in the van instantaneously and a week later become like, oh, actually, I don't really quite like this thing. But I still have like another three months to go and slowly enjoy my trip out on, you know, going up uh, California and then to Vancouver. And uh, thankfully, you know, before I had my internship at California, so I made a couple of Good friends, you know, or wedding planners. So they hosted me in Santa Barbara, hosted me in San Francisco. So I guess they some friends, and it's all got better. But then, like, you know, you know, it's kind of like a hat, like a patch, you know, like, like I don't want to be dependent on my friends to make me feel better. Right? I need to be inherently, you know, feeling good. So it, like, it, it went down this whole path of like, oh, let me like go buy some books to read it. So there was the, you know, Simon Sinek, Sawyer Why, there was the Tony Robbins, there was like. And I got told, and to be honest, it's, it's just like, uh, it's, it's confusing as <laughs> that, That's a great way to describe like the American self-help uh, books. Yeah, and, and, and there's a lot of like question. Uh, it's like, oh, you just need to be grateful. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm grateful. I feel good now. But like, 
But like, it still doesn't solve the inherent problem of like, you know, why am I feeling this way to start with, to begin with? What's the baseline, you know? Um, uh, how, how, how can I build my criteria of what to do next? You know, and, and, and I started looking at people who are retired, right? And the truth is, when I, when I look at people who are retired, you realize that a lot of them actually go through similar uh, situation. Um, but the whole idea about purpose is that you, like, you know, there's this whole notion in society right now that says, oh, you need a purpose, you need a passion, you need a calling. Right. And, and, and I was looking at these people who are retired. I don't think like, some of them have any purpose. It's just like, oh, just, I'm just going to go about my day, you know, like my grandkids. And, you know, like, I, I don't see that as like an inherit like, like purpose. This is my purpose of life to hang right. out with my grandkids. At least in the like modern business context of purpose. Yeah, so 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 I really, I can see there's some loopholes in that in that period, right? And so I was just like, I need to, I literally need to rebuild my philosophy and my way of thinking. And this modern way of self-help thinking is not working out. It has this loophole because there's people elsewhere that's happy without a purpose. So how do they do it? So I, so I, I spoke to some. Um, uh, email over some people who wrote books about retirement, um, and and it went on a, a while until like, I stumbled upon a couple of uh, really uh, interesting uh, resources. So one of them is uh, this book called Soft for Happy, you know, uh, like solve an equation, uh, and by by Mo, uh, got, I'm butchering his name, uh, uh, G A W D A T, and he pretty much. Um, has everything again. So he works at Google, best company in the world. He's a, the chief business officer on the time of his departure at Google X, right? Doing the most incredible project, the most purposeful project, and earning good money working for one of the greatest company in the world. And yet, uh, he was feeling down too, right? right? So I was like, oh, this story seems very, like, you know, seems like me. So after digging through um, you know, his book, and it makes a lot of sense, a lot of what, what he says, um, about about happiness, the idea is that we are solving for it wrongly. The equation is set up wrong. Um, and he had this theory inside, which is really cool. It's basically that um, when we when we go partying, when we go um, um, drinking, we are momentarily like stunning our brain to like enjoy the moment, right. but it's just like a like a plaster, you know, like a band aid uh, over your wounds, like like. Once that's done, you know, um, you, you don't feel good anymore. So you need the, the baseline, the inherent integrity of the thing that's got to be good. Then the parting is okay. The drinking is okay. It's like a supplement. But if you use it as, as, you know, like as an escape, then it works when you're there. But then once you're back to, you know, when you wake up from, from parting, you feel like shit. Um, so that doesn't work. <laughs> um, I don't want to butcher the book. It's a really good book. And, and another resource that I, I also think is really good is, is just the podcast um, uh, with Nabal Ravikon um, on Phanam Street. So yeah, I'll link to that's that as well. That's an amazing one. Yeah. Uh, so I pretty much uh, built my entire uh, thesis of understanding about humans, uh, our, our brains, uh, uh, using those two as baseline and then like further being my research that. Uh, and now in a pretty good place. Uh. <laughs> what do you mean by that? You built your whole uh, system. What, what does I that guess, actually mean? Make that like bring that alive for us. 
my understand my understanding of philosophy and happiness. I think yeah. so. Uh, uh, one of my criteria of that is just that this system needs to be anti-fragile. Yeah. Uh, uh, very popular book by Nassim Tablet. Um, if I am if I'm in different situation, I should technically still feel happy. Right. So uh, if I go party, I feel happy. Then I don't party, I'm not happy. So this this philosophy is not anti-fragile, right? Um, or uh, if I have a purpose, I'm happy. But then now I break my I break my legs. Um, I'm not happy. Then no, I can't fulfill my purpose. Then I'm not so happy now. And that's a big shift for people, right? I think people traditionally think, oh, once I'm in this position, once I get to this status, once I have this much money, I will then be happy, right? Yeah, it's so much of it is untrue. Uh, right. If you just look at astronauts who you right. know went to the moon and they come back feeling super depressed, you look at yeah. um, gold medalists, Olympic gold medalists after right. winning the medal, they are super depressed. Um, so, so those things doesn't work anymore. Right. So that's the fundamental flaw that, um, that the first thing you find out. So what changes did you make? Uh, I don't think it's, I don't think it's change changes externally. It's more internal changes. Yeah. Um, and I think once, um, I, I mean, it's, you can link to the Twitter feed, right? Cause that's my, all my entire thinking yeah. chiseled down <laughs> uh, into it. But basically the, the basic understanding, um, is that, uh, it's about mastering desire. Um, it's, you, you can't run away from desire because desire is what gets you out of bed. Desire is what gets you to do things. Right. So very Buddhist. Yeah. But if, but no, but no, then again, you see, there's a lot of people who think that Buddhism is about not desiring. Yeah. And not attaching. Uh, and I think it's completely wrong, right? Because that I think desire brings like really good emotions. You know, you want this thing, you go get it. But it's the attachment that you have with the desire that um, that causes you to feel um, bad, like suffer through this thing. Because when you can't get it, you suffer. So it's how can you master your desiring? And when you are suffering, being able to detach from it so that you don't suffer. I don't know. Does that make sense? Is there an example in your life that you tri- made that shift? It's, no, there's no one example, but basically like when, whenever I'm feeling down, whenever I'm feeling, um, um, you know, being, being attacking uh, or by someone or being, insu- being insulted by someone, it's like, what did the person say that it affects me? So what's the story I'm telling myself that affects me? Um, because words can't hurt you, right? <laughs> There's this line in my, in my Twitter feed. If you think uh, words can hurt you, you, you live a life of pain and misery. Because <laughs> yeah. words inherently can't hurt you. It's what meaning you give to those words that uh, allow you to hurt you. So whenever I'm feeling being insulted, like, I will just shift my perspective and looking at it that way. You know, what are my identity is being attacked right now? And is, if this is true, or can I do to make this person feel better or make myself feel better, then then the recovery is really quick, you know. I, is that? I mean, is that a good example? I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I think so. And I think, I mean, even I might offer something from what you shared before is you're you've been able to abandon identities uh, in your path or journey. You were quote unquote a wedding planner, right? But then you you kind of abandoned that and just carved a new path. And you almost proved to yourself that you don't actually need that attachment. Does that resonate? Yeah, but maybe that, I mean, that, I, I don't even have that knowledge when I was right. uh, 
wedding planner. But now looking back, yeah, for sure, 100%, right? But as much as it is now, whenever I say like, oh, um, maybe what I see is correct, it's true, you know, like if people disagree with me, uh, I would feel very angry, right? But now I can look uh, about what they say and say, oh, okay, does this person make sense? You know, like, it, like you know, so I'm very objective in that. So they're not attacking me, they're actually just making uh, what I writing better because now I can edit now I can edit myself and I can have a more accurate map of reality so I know you're always somebody looking for new experiments new goals uh, what experiments are you trying to run uh, over the next year on yourself or just learning wise a lot uh, so number one is the SEO thing um, really interesting the thing that I learned from the course is about how do you, so a lot of times people create this content about all five ways to do this thing, 10 ways to do that thing. Works. It works until it doesn't work. <laughs> because the bar of content is just getting higher and higher. So the question right. is how can you create great content? And great content is actually not defined by you. It's defined from does people want to read this, right? So how can you create content that makes people want to read? And so the, 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 the cornerstone of what Brian Dean teaches is that do not create content for your clients create content for the expert, right? Um, uh, so basically, if I'm doing an animation piece, you know, how, how do you uh, uh, hacks off, you know, like the favorite hacks of all the animators, I would want to be able to, this content should have value for expert animators in Disney or Pixar. And oh, then once yeah. they think, yeah, exactly, right? Once they think it's cool, then everyone else would think it's cool because the, yeah. the bar is raised so high, right? And they will, most people want to link to it because these are the, you know, the cutting edge stuff. And what's, more, what's cooler is that can you create a roundup? So a roundup is taking these experts and getting them to share their tips with you. So inherently this piece itself, because Paul, now you're invested uh, in this piece because you shared a piece of advice here that you think is really good. So you want to promote it to your clients, uh, to your, other, other, your, your audience as well. But then more, more than that, there's 10 other people who you also personally think are experts in this field of maybe reshaping, um, you know, our identities or, you know, path of learnings, right? So, so by the content structure of this piece is inherently uh, going to be more viral than a normal piece. So that's one, something that I love from R&D, which I think is very valuable. Um, so firstly, to create content like that and, and they, what they call power pages and to, to see if the SEO actually goes up. Right. So that's the first experiment that I'll say. And then uh, I'm on Happy Body uh, by Jersey uh, Gregorat, 62-year-old, I think 63 now, Olympic weightlifter. So he, he have a exercise program, the Happy Body. And basically it's a, a light aerobics exercise they do every morning. And uh, you, pro- you will get more flexible and hopefully I wouldn't be an old man <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I... I... For the guests, I traveled with Brian uh, a month ago, and he he was uh, slowing down physically. For, for, and shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't be for somebody in his uh, late twenties. So I wish you the best on that. Yeah, um, it's, it's showing progress. So, so physical. Uh, um, let's go back to the SEO one. So yeah. you you're thinking about it in a different way, though. Like, tell people what the experiment you want to run is. So firstly, the SEO thing is to. To, to, to up my uh, game for my own personal website, the stage animation thing. And once there's, once there's incoming lead, and right now there's really incoming leads coming, which is super cool, right? Um, but once I can rank it to pay, like top three, 
you know, then I'm done with like, you know, running it. And that could be a case study by itself if I were to be doing the next thing, which is um, the 100 days vlog, right? Um, so the, the, that's three business idea and, 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 and runs a Google Ads at work and then there's Facebook ads and there's SEO. So basically I want to start a business and grow it to 10K a month profit in 100 days, which to me is quite a stretch, but I like, you know, I like to push myself a little bit. Um, so right now I've eliminated Facebook ads. Um, uh, so it's either SEO or Google ads. I'm going to record how I, how I, how I build it. Like, you know, I'm going to release every single email script. Uh, uh, show people what I do every day. Uh, hopefully, other people allowed me to be able to record the, the, the sales meeting. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that hopefully, if everything goes well, it will be somewhere in the early part of 2019 next year. So where can people find out more about you and follow this journey? Uh, go to my website, brianvictor.com. Um, and then uh, you want, if you want to see the animation stuff, it's Sage Animation. Uh, there'll be more of those uh, pages that I'm talking about are coming soon. Um, that's that. The website and the uh, and the audience podcast too. Uh, but yeah, you can all find it all on the, on the website. Thank you for listening to the Boundless Podcast. If you have feedback, guest suggestions, or ideas I should explore, I'd really love to hear from you. One of the best things about this journey I've been on is connecting with all the people from around the world who are resonating with some of the ideas, some crazy, some better, some worse, uh, that I'm putting out into the world. Uh, you can email me at paul at think-boundless.com or find me on the various socials, which I link in my site. So I'm focused on keeping this podcast ad-free uh, clear of requests for ratings on various platforms. Basically, just want to keep it useful, interesting, and worth listening to. Uh, you guys hear enough about different underwear and sleep mattresses that people are pushing. I mean, how many mattresses can uh, people sell? It's unbelievable. Um, anyway, if you do want to support this podcast and uh, support this crazy journey I'm on, uh, you can do that on Patreon through the show notes link. And this is just so much fun. And I really thank you for listening and the continued feedback and support. Hey, all. Thanks for listening to the episode. I really appreciate the support and especially always love when people reach out letting me know what they think about the specific episodes. If you want to go deeper into Pathless Path World, you can, of course, check out my book. It's sold it's going to hit 50,000 soon. I think by the time you're hearing this, it will probably have already sold 50,000, which is mind-blowing. But I continue all the support of people that buy and share the book. If you want to meet others on Pathless Paths, I have a community, which you can find at pathlesspath.com membership. And you can join and meet hundreds of others around the world trying to make sense of weird paths and meeting others along the way. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a good day.